Hey, um, if you brought a Bible tonight, I don't know if you brought a Bible, but if you did, I'm going to tell you where you can open it to. You can open it to Luke chapter 21, and we're going to be coming there in just a couple of minutes. But after the, the events of September 11, everybody's kind of like crazy. And, and people are just, people are asking questions and doing things that they just would never do before. And one of the things that I hear a lot, and maybe you've heard a lot, is, is this the beginning of the end? I mean, is Jesus coming back soon? I mean, what is going on here? Is this the end of the world or something? And this is what we want to talk about over the next three weeks. We want to talk about Armageddon, the end of the, of the age. And are we in the end of the age? And what's the end of the age going to look like? And how does anything and everything that's going on these days tie into that? So that's what we want to talk about over these next several weeks. Turn to Luke chapter 21, and I want to read a verse from there for you. And here's what it says. Luke 21, and look at verse 26. Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees, when they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. In the same way, I tell you, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. You know, Jesus left us a series of signposts. He left us some things that we could look at and see, any one of which coming true is not a big deal. But what Jesus is saying here is when you see all of these signposts that I left you converging at one point in history, you can be absolutely sure the return of Christ is close. Now, there are three great signs that Jesus left us in the Bible about how we could know that his return was imminent. And what I'm here to talk to you about tonight is what are those three great signs and do we see them converging at this point in history? And if so, then what does that mean for your life and for my life? So that's kind of the plan tonight, the three signs of Jesus' return. The first one is this. Jesus' first sign is the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Right here in Luke chapter 21, look up at verse 24. Jesus is talking and he says, verse 24, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Jerusalem will be trampled and controlled by the Gentiles until, there's the key word, that's the magic word, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, the times of the Gentiles in Luke's, in Luke's gospel is synonymous with the, the church age, which is kind of an interruption, kind of a parenthesis in God's plan for the nation of Israel. And the Bible tells us that at the end of the age, God is going to return to dealing with the people of Israel as his primary vehicle on the earth. And the church, well, we're going to be out of here. Some people call it the rapture. We're going to be gone. God's going to be through with us. And as that time approaches, Jesus said, as the times of the Gentiles comes to an end, Jerusalem won't be trampled on anymore by the Gentiles. It'll be back in the hands of the Jewish people. So as the return of Jesus draws near, the first sign is we should expect to see the Jewish people back in their land. Now, friends, uh, I'm sure you don't realize this as much as perhaps some of us who are a little bit older. 
But the idea that there would be a nation of Israel 50 years ago was a preposterous idea. 70 years ago was a preposterous idea. There had not been a nation of Israel in 1900 years. The Romans came in 70 A.D., they tore down the temple, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem under Titus, General Titus, and, and there had never been a city of Jerusalem in the hands of the Jewish people, there had never been a nation of Israel that was run by Jewish people since, 1900 years almost. Do you realize there has never been a people in history, ever, who's been separated from their homeland for 1900 years and ever gotten it back? There has never been a group of people who has ever been exiled from their homeland for 1900 years and even survived. There's never been a language that has died out as a living spoken language and ever been revived as a living spoken language with the exception of Hebrew. If you go to Israel today, you'll hear them speaking Hebrew. You'll see them writing Hebrew. Just the kind of Hebrew that they spoke and wrote at the time of the Bible. That has never happened. You say, well, what about Latin? Well, I mean, they write prescriptions in that nasty language, but that's all they do. And nobody talks that language anymore. You go to Israel and you listen to them talk. They're talking the same Hebrew Isaiah talk. They're talking the same Hebrew they talked at the time of Jesus. This is a, an unbelievable thing that has happened. The Jewish people returning to their land. And when would we actually say, if 70 A.D. is when they lost their land, when would we say that this sign was fulfilled? Well, we could say it was fulfilled in 1948 when the state of Israel was actually created. Or we could say it was fulfilled in 1967, June of that year, when the Jewish people for the first time in 1900 years regained control of the entire city of Jerusalem. But either way, the point is that this has happened in our lifetime. You have seen a Bible prophecy come true in our lifetime that people for 19 centuries never saw. And let me tell you why. It's because God is not through with the Jewish people yet. God still has a plan for His people. And Israel today being back in the land is one of the great signs that the Lord is beginning to tidy up the events of the age and beginning to get ready to come back and visit our earth again in what we would call the second coming. And friends, this explains why the Egyptians and the Moabites and the Canaanites and the Philistines and the Hittites and the Babylonians and the Persians, none of these people are around anymore. But the Jewish people are still here. Why? Because God has a plan for these people. He's not finished with them yet. And He's recreated the state of Israel, given them their homeland back, because this has to happen for the prophecies of the Bible to be fulfilled and for the Lord Jesus to be able to come back. And as, as the end of the age approaches, the Bible tells us, we should expect to see the Jewish people back in their land. We should expect to see Jerusalem back in the hands of the Jewish people. And guess what? That's exactly what we see. Sign number two is as the end of the age approaches, we should expect to see the rebuilding of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. In Daniel's prophecy, Daniel has a prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 of 70 groups of seven weeks. That is 490 years altogether. And he breaks them into a very strange breaking. He puts 69 of those 70 weeks, 483 years first, and then he breaks them and, and breaks off one of the seven-year periods into a, a later period. 
And here's what he says about the first 69. Listen, Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. He said, no one understand this, that from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the Messiah, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens or 69 altogether. You say, well, why does he break it into seven and 62? Nobody knows. I don't know. But the point is, it's 69 altogether. Now, when did this begin? Well, it says from when the decree is issued to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. When did that happen? Well, you can write in the margin of your Bible, 445 B.C. That's when King Artaxerxes, in his 20th year, gave Nehemiah permission to return and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. We can nail that date down with absolute certainty. And so, from 445 B.C., there are 476 solar years. Remember, the Jewish people kept time in lunar years. So you've got to convert it into solar years because that's how we keep time. There are 476 solar years until the Bible says Messiah, the Prince, comes. And then it goes on to say, and after those 69 weeks, the Anointed One, the Messiah, will be cut off and have nothing. Now let's do a little bit of math, okay? 476 years minus... 445 B.C., what do you come up with? Well, you come up with 31 A.D. Now, who can you think of somewhere in the range of 31 A.D. that might qualify to be the Messiah who was cut off and killed? Well, duh. Of course, it's the Lord Jesus. Friends, this is the most precise chronological prophecy anywhere in the Bible of the coming and the death of the Lord Jesus. Well, let's go on. Remember, we said there were 69 sevens up until the time the Messiah was cut off. Then there's this times of the Gentiles, this big parenthesis between week 69 and week 70. But if we skip down in Daniel's prophecy a little bit, we get to week 70. Now watch. In verse 27, we skip down to where the Antichrist is here. And look what it says. It says, he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one week. There's that last group of seven years. And in the middle of the seven years, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. You say, wait a minute. What's sacrifice and offering? There's no sacrifice and offering going on. Oh, yeah, there's going to be. Look. And on a wing in the temple... He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that's decreed for him is poured out on him. Jesus referred to this in the New Testament. You remember he said, Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in the wing of the temple, brother, head for the hills. Remember that? Matthew 24? Well, what's the point is, we don't know what the abomination of desolation is. Nobody knows what it is. If they tell you they know what it is, you tell them, on my behalf, I said, they're nuts. Nobody knows what it is. I don't. But the point for our consideration is not what it is, but where it is. What it says here is, it's in a wing of the temple. You say, but there is no temple. Ah, but there's going to be. There has to be. Because... The Bible makes it clear that the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple and proclaims himself to be God. Listen, 2 Thessalonians. Let's, uh, let's look at that verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. He, the Antichrist, exalts himself above everything that is called God, and he even sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The key event number two 
that we should be looking for is we should be looking for the rebuilding of the second temple, of the third temple, actually, in Jerusalem. And I've got an article here that I got uh, out of the uh, paper. And this article is all about this very subject. The title of the article is Move to Build Third Jewish Temple in Jerusalem Stirs Resistance. And I, I didn't get this out of the National Enquirer. I got it out of the Washington Post. You say, what's the difference? All right, fair enough. But anyway, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but it did come out of the Washington Post. And listen to what this article said. Let me just read a little bit of it to you. It says, a group of Israelis and Jews abroad are quietly planning the construction of the third Jewish temple. And there's this thing called the Temple Institute that's been formed. The Temple Mount Faithful, uh, an organization, has formed this thing called the Temple Institute. The article goes on to say that this institute ha is in the process of reconstructing the 103 ritual implements that are required, you know, all the lavers and the censers and the shovels and all this stuff, to do temple worship. And the article ends, after the guy talks a little bit about it, ends by saying, we believe, the man who's the leader of the Temple Institute, we believe that all of our hopes and all of our attempts will cause some activity in the heavens, and with God's help, the day will come soon when we will rebuild the temple. This is no joke. When we were in Israel two weeks ago, we actually went, the Temple Institute has a little storefront about a hundred yards from the Wailing Wall, and we went there, took the whole group there, and they have a little video they show you about their plans to rebuild the temple, and you can actually see the implements that they're making, the shovels, the harps, the bowls, everything, the priest garment, they've got them on display there. This is not a hoax. These people are planning to rebuild the third Jewish temple. And we're going to talk a little bit more next week about how the Antichrist plays into this. But folks, you keep your eyes on Jerusalem. I'm here to tell you that you're going to see that temple go up sometime in the near future. And when one day you open the paper and you read that the temple's being rebuilt in Jerusalem, just remember, you heard it here first. Okay? We told you it's going to happen. Now, the third sign, the third great sign is that when the coming of the end of the age and the Lord Jesus' return is near, the third thing we should expect to see is not only the Jewish people in control of their homeland, not only the rebuilding of the third Jewish temple, but third, we should expect to see Jewish people coming to personal faith in Jesus Christ at a rate that is unprecedented in the last 2,000 years. Let me show you why. Romans chapter 11 there's a very interesting verse there, and here's what Paul says. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Here's the mystery. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. Now, let me explain that. Israel has experienced a partial callousing. That's what the word literally means. And what Paul is talking about here is that the reason lots of Jewish people were not coming to faith in Paul's day and the reason they haven't come to faith for the last 1900 years, you don't see many Jewish people believing in Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because Paul says as a result of their rejection of their Messiah, as a discipline, as a judgment, 
God has put a callousing, a spiritual callousing on the nation of Israel so that they've kind of got like a double whammy. Meaning they've got the natural blindness every human being has spiritually that we have to overcome to come to Christ. And then on top of that, that's just what you Gentiles have. We Jewish people got the second part of the whammy, which is this callousing, this hardening from God that makes it even more difficult for us to come to Christ. Now, it says here it's a partial hardening. If it was a complete hardening, there would not have been one Jewish believer in the last 1900 years. It's partial But it's real. A partial hardening has happened to the Jewish people. Listen, here comes our magic word. Until, there's the key word. Until, look at this, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And when God begins to wrap up the church age, when God begins to get ready for the return of Christ, this callousing, Paul says, this hardening, Paul says, is going to be lifted by God. And we, as a result, should expect to see Jewish people giving their life to Jesus as their Messiah at a rate we have never seen in the last 19 centuries. Now, I'm here to tell you that this is happening today. I'm here to tell you that you may not realize it, but you are living in a time that is seeing Jewish people come to Christ at a rate that has never, ever happened in 19 centuries. When I came to Christ, I honestly thought I was the only Jewish person in the whole world that believed in Jesus. I did. I thought it went like, you know, Peter, Paul, James, John, then 1900 years, then me. I really thought that. No, I did. I'd never heard of a person in the world that was Jewish that ever had done this in their life. Now, there weren't many of us back then. We estimate there are 60,000 Jewish people who believe in Jesus. We estimate that some four to 5,000 of them are Israelis, natural-born Israelis, who believe in Jesus. And every year when I go take a tour to Israel, we meet them. We, they come and they meet with our group. They give testimonies of how they came into a personal relationship with Christ. Folks, there are more Jewish people alive today who believe in Jesus than at any other time since the days that Peter and Paul and James and John walked on the face of the earth. There has never been in history anything to compare with what's happening today among the Jewish people. Why is it happening? Because as the end of the age approaches, what does the Bible say? It says that this callousing that has kept the number of Jewish believers down to a trickle, it's going to be lifted by God and suddenly we're going to see Jewish people coming to Christ in unprecedented numbers. And it's happening right here in your time. Let's summarize. What are three signs that Jesus said that we should expect to see as His return approached? Number one, we should expect to see the Jewish people back in control of their land. We've seen it. Number two, we should expect to see the Jewish temple being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Now, it hadn't happened yet, but they're in the process. And number three, we should expect to be seeing Jewish people coming to personal faith in Christ in unprecedented numbers. Hey, all these things are converging right at this moment in history. I submit to you, this is not an accident. This is not a coincidence. This is not a mistake but that we're seeing the Lord set the dominoes in place because the return of Christ is very close. Now, how close is it? I don't know. Could it be 10 years, 15 years, six months? Who knows? But friends, we're seeing three things happen that have never happened in 1900 years, and they're all happening right now. 
And I, I believe that confirms the fact Jesus said it. When you see these things start to happen, look up. Why? Because your redemption is drawing near. We're leaving here soon. So if you got, you got problems, you need to turn to your problems and say, hey, I'm leaving here soon. You got, you got sickness, you need to turn to your sickness and say, hey, I'm leaving here soon. Got pain and heartache, you need to turn to your pain and heartache and say, hey, I'm leaving here soon. Your boss giving you a hard way to go, you need to say, I'm leaving here soon. I'm not staying here forever. Now you might want to say it under your breath, depending how much you value your job, but you can look at him, just smile and think, I'm leaving here soon. I'm not worried about this job. I'm out of here sometime soon. And you know, when you really sum up the message of the Bible, I can sum up the message of the whole Bible in two words. Trust me. That's the message of the Bible. God says to us, trust me. I know what I'm doing. I've got the universe under control. Just trust me. And friend, if you're in a tough time tonight, things aren't going the way you want in your life, you've got pain and struggle and questions you can't answer, hey, I'm just going to suggest to you that you follow the simple message of the Bible, that you trust God. I assure you, one day you're going to look back, even if it's from the shores of heaven, and you're going to say, you know what, Lord? I didn't believe it. I doubted it seriously. I had a hard time accepting it. But now I see you had everything ticking away right on schedule. I should have trusted you. Well, you don't want to be in that position. Let's trust him. I promise you, you won't regret it. If he can bring Israel back to their land after 1900 years, (laughs) if he can handle the Jewish people coming to Christ in the numbers they are today, friend, if he can get the temple ready to be built, he can handle the problems of your life and my life. Let's trust him. Let's pray together. Lord, we live in exciting times, spiritually. We live in times that, that people for centuries have prayed to see, and they never got to see. I think of Jewish missionaries who for hundreds of years longed to see Jewish people come into Christ the way we see it today. They never got to see it. I think of Jewish people around the world who for centuries prayed next year in Jerusalem. They never spent the next year in Jerusalem. But Lord Jesus, we're seeing things happen today that are positively staggering. And I pray you would help us appreciate what's going on today in our world. That there are things happening in our world today that could only happen because you, the creator, the owner, and the sustainer of the universe have decreed this is the moment when all these things are going to converge. So encourage our faith tonight, Lord. That we're living in a a time that is approaching the return of Jesus Christ. We're not going to be here forever. And Father, my prayer is that you would reassure us as a result of what we've studied tonight. That you've got everything ticking away right on schedule. And that we can trust you. Not just for the events of the universe, but for the events of our own lives. Lord, for those of us who are struggling, for those of us who are, are hurting... For those of us who have unanswered questions, send us out of here tonight saying if God can bring Israel back to their land, then God can take care of my problems. I'm going to trust Him. And thanks for reassuring us tonight that you're that great, Lord, that we can trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.